Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to episode seven of the Everyday People podcast. And seven is special because that's my favorite number. So thankfully, I have one of my favorite people in the whole wide world with me here today. My boy, Gunnar Harper. How are you, Gunnar? I'm doing great, brother. Where are you at right now? You're somewhere in Texas. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, I'm currently over in Virginia at school doing ALC. And can you tell the people what ALC is? Uh, that would be Advanced Leaders course uh, in the Army. So uh, it's the next uh, the next step in getting promoted to Staff Sergeant. Why is that important? Um, well, it's important because uh, I need to get promoted and make more money, more responsibility, maybe retire. That's very important. <laughs> or, or maybe you drown in a puddle, you know? <laughs> I mean, man, I could get hit by a truck tomorrow. Only God knows. Yeah. Yeah, only God knows, bro. Maybe he doesn't even know. He's just like, you're here? <laughs> How'd you get up here? What happened? Or maybe he just missed one, you know? He's like, I did not see that truck. <laughs> He's like, shit. <laughs> My bad. You an angel. My now. bad, dog. <laughs> I got you, though. I got you, though. Yeah, that's... sweet. <laughs> Man, you, uh, you and I have been friends for a very long time. One of my only... Yeah close loyal friends that i've got because i noticed the older you get the longer you live the more people you meet the more people you bring into your life you know the the less they stay around <laughs> and that's true it's a good thing because you kind of figure out that these people in your life these negative essences around you you know just kind of bring you down and it's okay to right. take a step back and say okay maybe you're not the best person for me you're not the best person to be in my life and, and that's okay. And, you know, you don't have to hate the person. I think that's a big, you know, problem. People, they leave things off in such a bad way. You don't have to be negative about everything. You could just simply be like, look, like, and, and telling somebody that, you know, they're really not good for your life isn't going to be easy, but at the same time, just doing it and being honest, is important. And you can just be like right now, the point where I'm at in my life, the point where you are, like these are clashing they're not connecting we're not progressing we're only degressing and to move forward i just think that some time apart right now would be best you know something right of course and you know you know the thing is is like people are always growing and they're always changing and and that's just that's just from like life experiences right you know so you know somebody that you know was 18 you know and you were best friends with your other buddy who was also 18 you know and then you guys go your separate ways right and you guys grow and you guys learn and you guys change and you guys don't talk for a while and then you come back and meet that person again and maybe maybe that connection's not there because you guys have now outgrown that relationship and you guys no longer connect on that kind of level um you know or maybe you know one person just kind of grew up and the other person didn't and you're just like i you know you're not in that direction that i'm going you don't have that mindset those goals that i have to obtain in my life that i want to be successful maybe you you're okay with just being stagnant or something like that you know Sure. And I've definitely I definitely just lost my thought. <laughs> wow. <laughs> you get brought through a lot. That's of what you. happens. You you get older and your memory just starts <laughs> going down Shot, there. Bro. See you later. <laughs> yeah, bro, I no. can barely read. Just cutting people out of your life is it's it's best to do it for you and like you said so. right i mean it's you can you can cut people out but you can also bring you know new people in who you know set you on that track that you want to go on you know yeah finding those people i would say is challenging nowadays because let's be honest there's a lot of fake people in the world and i'm not saying Big fake is bad, yes, but a lot of people do it to get money, to do certain things, to achieve something that they can't do without, you know, right. going but People don't know acting. how to be them, you know? They don't, they don't know how to they, – they haven't grown into themselves yet. Like, they're just okay with going with the flow, being a sheep, you know? But the, the people who attract, you know, other people, I would say, are people who know who they are. You know, people who, who have broken out of the shell and they are who they are, 
and they embrace that. They don't just follow. They're not like sheeps or anything. You know, they're just like, oh, I like this dude because he wears red shoes, and now I'm gonna wear red shoes. You know, don't yeah. be a sheep. You know, think for yourself. I've had to. Actually, I feel like I've been doing that a lot. Not being a sheep, but kind of cracking out of that shell, becoming my own person, remembering kind of who I am as as a person. I'd say over time, you kind of lose yourself through activities such as dating, work, you know, s- stuff like that. And those things take a toll on who you are as a person. You kind of kind of start to forget about the stuff that you love, the stuff that you care about, the things that you want to do, the places you want to see, you know? Yeah. Yeah, life gets kind of like stagnant, you know? Like you kind of, you know, you get to a place where you just kind of, you know, just okay with everything and then you just build these routines and you just like you'll just stay in them and sometimes you stay in them for so long you know doing everything else becomes a chore or like change change becomes hard you know and it could be something simple like you know moving a house or you know just you know anything really getting a new job you're like change is scary and hard you don't want to do it and you just become stagnant and okay with the simple life when you know that you could probably be doing better or, you know, striving somewhere. I think the change is so difficult because you essentially have to accept the loss of what you once were or the something in your life that is you're replacing. And that can be very hard to do mentally. You know, there's a lot of people that do things and say that they'll change and then they don't change. And then they look in the mirror right. at night and they're wondering why nothing's changing <laughs> yeah. except they need to look in the mirror and realize that you have to be the one to change you can't just talk about it i've definitely fallen into so many slumps where i sit there in my bed and i just feel sorry for myself and look at the sky and ask why why me why can't i be the lucky one why can't i be blessed with this or that you know Right. And you have people that have felt the same way I did and they work hard and move forward. They don't just sit like and stay stagnant, like you said. And that's how they're able to grow and become successful is because through that growth and through that, you know, period of time where they felt uncomfortable and the change that they were going through, they were able to learn from it truly and genuinely. And that's what helps people grow into their shell or, or crack Absolutely. out of it rather. helps them grow into the person that they need to be that they should be that they you know if you're not yourself how are you ever gonna meet people that are genuine and true to you exactly dude and i think that like for me i mean i you you felt it um at the beginning of your career you know the army man the change is never ending and the push is always like ongoing so like you know, you don't really have a chance to, like, get comfortable and stay stagnant. And, like, that's what, like, really forced me to find out who I was, was, like, just getting bombarded with more and more and more every day. Challenge yourself, push yourself, learn to be better, you know, become better, strive for the best, and just every single aspect of it. And, like, I didn't have a choice. I couldn't just sit back and just chill. I had to go, I had to become better in order to, you know, do my job. And I think that that the army helped me with that push and it gave me that motivation and that drive and won't let me get stagnant because I think that if I wasn't in the army, you know, I probably would, you know, be relaxing on the couch somewhere, probably smoking, just chilling and drinking. And, you know, maybe like a lot of my friends, you know, but instead i'm i'm here i'm i'm you know learning i'm i just had to write an essay well i've been out of college for so long i can't (laughs) write oh my gosh and this stuff sucks but it's it's continually pushing me out of my comfort zone and all that really ends up doing is making me better and that's what you have to do in everyday life when you don't have that you have to find that motivation push yourself outside your own comfort zone make you better you have to keep pushing on yourself because nobody else is going to do it or maybe you have a few good friends or family members that will kind of help push you out but in the end it's all to you you got to push yourself out of that circle to to find yourself to to strive to become better 
you know? I definitely understand that being a punk ass 18 year old was just kind of my thing. I love talking shit to people. Mind you, I'm like 130 pounds, you know, soaking wet. <laughs> you know, you could slap yeah, me with a fucking a plastic bag and I'd fly with the wind. But here I was thinking <laughs> I was hot shit. And then boom, I joined the military and went to basic training and my life changed forever. <laughs> yeah. I, re- you I really realized you were wet noodle. I realized that I needed to get my shit together. And, you know, throughout basic, I definitely had to step outside my my comfort levels. And there was a couple of times I sat there and I laid in my bunk and thought, you know what, I'm just going to quit. Like, I can't do this anymore. I can't. <laughs> I think everybody has that. Dude. <laughs> everybody that goes to basic training sits in their bunk at one point or the other and is like, what the actual fuck have I gotten myself into? <laughs> I'll never forget my first – really, my why the fuck did I do this moment, <laughs> right? So I'm at Fort Benning, Georgia. It's 4 in the morning, or 5 in the morning, Some something awful. It's it's November, It's so it's cold as shit, and we're in PTs, but we're in summer PTs. And for anybody listening that doesn't know what summer PTs are, it's just shorts and a t-shirt. No jacket, no sweats, nothing. So we're standing there at parade rest in the ass crack of dawn. And I'm just sitting there. Parade rest. Can't fucking move. I'm itchy. I'm I'm cold as absolute fuck. I miss my friends. I miss my family. I'm looking at the sunset come up. And I just think, what the fuck have you done? (laughs) You're not even in basic training yet. I've been... Yeah, I went to 30th Already AG. Miserable. I'm at 30th AG getting processed into basic, and I'm over here freezing, hating my life. Oh, like that, that's a, that's a good reception. So so people that don't know what reception is, it's where you get like it's before you go to basic training. They and they give you all your initial gear. So you get your socks, you get your t-shirts, you get you know all the gear that they're gonna give you in the army before you get to basic training, and it's just a it horrible experience just terrible in processing in the army absolutely miserable i had i had a very similar uh experience uh jake it was literally uh i was like the the point where i realized that i had fucked up was when somebody we we had dropped our bags off we got there early 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 like two o'clock in the morning and we like off the bus off the off the bus right you have to yelling at you out you got any contraband did they make you go through that screening like, and they make yeah, you go in yeah, the room you go through they... the screening bro <laughs> you, you throw all your shit on the ground you're freaking out i'm shaking you know i'm spilling shit my shit's getting mixed up with the kids next to me i'm like yo those are my pants he's like they're my pants i'm like bro i'll fucking kill you like, <laughs> give me your pants bro give me my <laughs> pants we're, we're just pants, give me pants bro. there's bags of shit everywhere <laughs> And then freaking, you know, what what ended up happening was, uh, you know, after that nonsense, you go through like the first like three or four hours of in processing, whatever, you finally get back to your room. And they're like, you know, I'm like, finally, like, yes, you know, I'm going to get to my room. I'm going to take a fucking nap. And, you know, we're going to get this stuff started. 4.30 in the morning, they're like, hey, go to your room, drop your bags. We're starting in processing. I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Bro, I just traveled all day long all night just got on a bus traveled here got here at two o'clock in the morning and now we're starting in processing so now i'm going like 30 hours zero sleep bro they're handing me papers and like pencils and i'm trying to like write bro and i'm like i've never been this sleep deprived in my life i'm like closing my eyes up like writing i just like sc- i'm like scribbling on there they're like write your social security number bro my social security number was in japanese <laughs> <laughs> bro my pencil like literally hit me in the eye like two or three times because i was just eating that motherfucker dude i just but but let me get back to on topic right the, the the point where i realized i fucked up was um we were standing in the chow line uh for lunch and this is this is a continuation of that same very long 48 hour day that that was going on and you know this chick like walked up to a drill sergeant and was just like scream crying at her. She's like, I don't want to be here. This is not what I want. And the drill sergeant looked at her and was like, shut the fuck up and get the fuck away from me. Oh shit, bro. Even even if you don't want to be here, you're going to be here. And that's when I realized 
<laughs> on, bro. I can't escape this place even if I wanted to. It's fucking over. <laughs> and that's Wolf. when I, I was like, oh, bro, I like died a, lot, a little bit inside, you know? You seen Wolf of Wall Street? Yeah. <laughs> I ain't fucking just... living! <laughs> <laughs> There's no cheering, though. It's just a bunch of cries. No, no, no cheering. <laughs> We'll say the best part about 30th AG was I ate so much food. They give me like three cheeseburgers, bro. And I'd be like, yeah. And then I went to actual basic training and they're like, here's an MRE. You have 30 seconds. <laughs> I'm like, what do you, what do you, you got 30 seconds. Like, what do you mean? <laughs> no, oh I'd never God. in my life say that because then the whole man, our whole company would get smoked from one dumbass from a different platoon. And I'm like, this I not even our dude. Like, fuck that dude. <laughs> right? Like, that dude just, like, put his hand in his pocket. He's like, that's it. Everybody's doing push-ups. I'm like, what the fuck? We don't even know that guy. <laughs> One time I had some – oh, sorry. I, this is, I felt so stupid, bro. I thought I was so smart. Um, I realized I wasn't. <laughs> so – That happens. Oh, okay. So – my drill sergeants come out and they're like, you know, his whole bay goes pray dress. We're all looking up. He's like, you guys are fucking dumbasses. Smoke yourselves. And we're like, <laughs> what? He's like, fucking start. He's, he just starts freaking out, telling us, you know, start pushing, whatever. He's like, anything. My dumbass. I'm like, oh, I'm going to pick the half jack. <laughs> <laughs> Wrong. Little did I know I'd be half jacking for like 20 minutes. Now. Oh, God. My buddy was super smart and chose like the stretching exercises when you warm up before PT and they didn't even <laughs> care. And I'm just over here looking at this guy, like you're light years ahead away from where I am mentally. You are a legend. <laughs> he has advanced. <laughs> My man out here That's in 2095. Button. Shit. Yeah, that is. <laughs> Get that man. gold medal. Basic training story, bro. The, the one time like my drill sergeant just walks in, you know, it's on a Sunday, you know, so we're not really doing much. We're just hanging out. And he's, he's the only one on CQ. So he walks up, everybody at ease. And we all look at him. And, you know, if they don't say carry on right away, you know, they, they just walk around, bro. Look at you. Just walking around with the fucking drill sergeant hat on. Looking, just, like, through you, bro. Like, through every You can feel one, your soul in the locker. Like, <laughs> you are fucking nothing, bro. But he doesn't have to say it. You just feel it hitting you in the face. It's like, like fucking spitting on you. And you're just, like, sitting there <laughs> crying. You know? And he just walks in and he's like, Everybody get the fuck down. And we're like, oh, all right. Like, Everybody gets a push-up position. He's like, all right, this is what's going to happen. He's like, y'all are going to do 20 push-ups. He's like, and when you go down, you're going to say mine. And when you come back up, you're going to say mine. He's like, 20 push-ups on your own, ready, go. Walks out of the room. Bro, the whole fucking bay. Like 60 grown men. Mine, 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 mine. mine. <laughs> the whole fucking bay, bro. I'm talking about, I've never heard that many in my entire life. Bro, and I look in the corner of his office, and he's got his little phone stuck out the fucking corner recording. Us oh, all. Just, my mine, God. Mine, mine. I'm fucking idiots, bro. I was like, I was laughing my ass off. That was, that was a great day, though. I had a, day. since we're talking about basic training stories. <laughs> got a, oh, here we go. A couple funny ones. I've already told the people about how I almost died, so we don't need to talk about that. I remember my drill sergeant, he walks in the room, you know, it is, everybody stops. We were taking turns, taking naps behind the lockers <laughs> in the corners. So it's my oh, turn to that. nap. I'm like back there, uh -oh. and I hear, it is. I'm like, behind the locker. He's like, front lean and rest position, move. And I'm like, okay. I can't like, go out and show that I was hiding behind the lockers. Yeah, so, dude, you're committed. So he says, begin. Just smokes the whole platoon for like 20 minutes. I'm just Ooh. behind the lockers. <laughs> just he leaves. He leaves. The guy's getting smoked. Look at me. They're like, you're such a fucking douche. I'm like, what did I do? Like, if I would have went out there, it would have just caused more issues for sure. You know, <laughs> bro, I, like, did the, oh! I did the same thing, right, bro? Because like you know how like like you, like we kind of close the lockers, and on Sundays, you know, you can just fucking chill out, bro. And all all you want to do in basic training is just sleep, right? Letter, so, and write letters, I, right, right, letters and sleep. And so I like laid in my locker and like closed the doors a little bit, right? It was it was it was like convenient enough to where like if, if there was an at ease, I would pop up, 
and I told my I told my battle buddy, you know, I was like, hey, bro, if the drill sergeant comes in, bro, let me know, wake me up, I'm gonna be I'm gonna be out. He's like, okay, bro, I hear creaking, and like I'm like, bro, who's coming up to me? And like I open my eyes and I look up, and the doors that were kind of cracked like on me start slowly opening up to a drill sergeant hat, and I'm like. I look up at this dude, and he's like, hey, private. And I was like, oh, no. He's like, what the fuck you doing? And I was like, nothing, drill sergeant. He's like, how about you get the fuck up? And I'm like, Roger. Bro, he smoked the living dog shit out of us for like an hour and a half on a Sunday. Because you were asleep. And I looked at, bro, because I was asleep. And I looked at my battle buddy. I was like, yo, what the fuck? You didn't tell me there was no at ease? Like, what the fuck? He's like, no, bro. He came in, looked directly at me, and said, shh. No, he didn't. <laughs> I, was like, I was like, what? <laughs> Could you imagine? He just like, he looks right in your soul, and he just puts his no. finger up to his lips. I'm not saying <laughs> no, that's shit. That's exactly what he did. That's sorry, exactly bro. He did. He's, like, he's like, bro, I'm sorry, bro. He's like, he was going to fucking kill me if I called that ease. I was dude. like, dude, that's some terrorist shit. You know, at the end of the night, after you guys do all of your tasks for cleaning the bay, oh. all that good shit, before you go to bed. Are you talking about, uh, what is it, total line? Yeah. Count off. One, but two, no, like three, all four, the whole bay. Yes, the whole bay. Total line. The whole bay. <laughs> all four platoons. Yeah. One drill sergeant, whoever's on CQ or that night. Right. Um, so they're going through. The drill sergeant is going through checking um bays while we're all outside at parade rest and he goes into second platoon's bay and you just hear this kid scream and we're like what <laughs> everybody's out here so this kid fell asleep in his locker the drill sergeant nice. picked him up literally picked him up <laughs> and threw him <laughs> right oh. look it's better he says oh you want to fucking sleep no problem brings out a bed into the middle of the bay he says get in go to bed He's like, he's like, get the fuck in the bed. You know, he's like, the kid's crying in bed in the middle of 120 grown ass men, you know, and we're like, what? Then he starts, the drill sergeant says, everybody get down, start smoking the absolute piss out of every single soldier there while the dude's in his bed sleeping. Oh my God. It was That is amazing. That's amazing. Great. I guess the last story I want to say is there was a Sunday where usually Sundays sucked for us, to be honest. Like, they weren't great. Yeah. I used to go to church, not because I wanted to pray, but because I wanted to take a nap because I was so tired. Yeah. Told you sleep. My buddy said, if you go to the Jewish church, they gave you cookies. And I'm like, okay. what? <laughs> Why didn't I go there? <laughs> I really messed up. <laughs> I, like, they don't feed you enough. <laughs> want some cookies. Yeah. Milk, you know, we get this old time, old timer drill sergeant. He's actually pretty cool. He's like, look, guys, I'm honestly absolutely fucking hungover and don't want to deal with any bullshit. Listen, we're going to take it easy today. You can do whatever you want. I do not care. He's like, you can't. We didn't have or we weren't allowed to have our phones. We never got our phones unless we had a platoon competition and we won or we did really well. And they reward us like a five minute conversation with your parents or something. But right. Um, he said, you guys can do whatever you want. You can shower, you could, you know, you can sleep, but I don't care. All you have to do is when you go to chow, run down, jog. He's like, you don't have to run and sprint, just jog. And then jog all the way back. Don't walk. That's all you have to do. Okay. We're like, okay, that's, that's, that's pretty simple. I might be able to do that. I get up, I get done jogging shower i'm taking a nap and then what do you know i hear everybody get the fuck up <sighs> two dumbasses yeah. walking all the way back up like bro you've been here the same amount of time that i've been here you know how shitty <laughs> this is why can't you just jog fucking 150 <laughs> feet <laughs> just bro, jog you lazy bitch get beaten with fucking soap to death bro and we got smoked the whole day it sucked i wanted to die everybody else wanted to die <laughs> and yeah you thought you're gonna have a good day bro you pissed them off life's over now restart 
topics here. I think it's the military in general. A lot of people that join the military are people, children that grew up in kind of a rough environment in a place that maybe wasn't the best for them. Not to say that, you know, we don't have good parents because we do. We, we're all humans at the end of the day. But to ignore the things that go wrong while growing up is also just as wrong. And I think a lot of, at least from my experiences, the people that I've talked to, a lot of military members come from broken homes, just kind of a really bad childhood. And uh, I don't know, do you, would you say that you had a good childhood or did you definitely uh, have some tribulations and trials that you needed to, to work through? Well, um, I would say that, uh, you know, for, for the most part, I had, uh, I had an amazing childhood. I had, you know, a mom and dad who, who really, really cared and they stuck it out for, you know, the kids and absolutely loved us. And, you know, I had grandparents to help out. Um, but that didn't, that didn't, you know, it wasn't all just sunshine and rainbows. No, no family is. Everybody got a little bit of that, that childhood uh, trauma, you know, that childhood PTSD. Um, and I would say that my PTSD or, or childhood trauma uh, stemmed from, so, so I lived in a trailer, right? Uh, an older, older trailer. And, you know, anytime you'd hit the, you know, step really hard or hit the ground, uh, it, would, it would like, you know, you'd hear a thump. And you could you could hear thumps, um, you know. You could hear when somebody came through the door. You know, you could hear when somebody dropped something. You know, from like pretty much the end of the house. You know, and um, you know, as a kid, I think maybe like nine or ten, um, my parents would get into physical altercations. And um, you know, I think the first time, you know, you would I would hear a bunch of thumps, right, and all this thumping, and you know, I get kind of concerned because I'm like, what the hell is going on out here? And I would walk out to see my parents, you know, basically fist fighting. And I'm like, yo, what's going on? You know, and typically my parents, you would typically wrap it up when the kids came out, you know, and, you know, be like, I'm like, yeah. mom, dad, what are, you, what are you guys doing? You know, like, uh, please stop, please stop, you know, and then they would wrap it up, you know, and, um, throw a couple last ones in there, wrap it up. <laughs> <laughs> all right, you fucking. Yeah, all right, we're done here. Right. Ox your mom yeah, out. Sorry about that. Honestly, <laughs> 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 but, but, like, <laughs> but that piece was like uh, that. That would happen, you know, and it happened uh, kind of frequently for like a, a small part of my my childhood. At a young uh, age, maybe like yeah, yeah. Let's say like between like nine to like thirteen, I'd say probably like. Probably it happened probably like three to four or five times maybe, um, and then my parents like they they had you know Emily and like they were getting she was getting older and like I was getting older and they realized that they had to, to not do that and they kind of grew out of that and kind of like adulted you know like okay I'm just gonna leave you know type deal they they figured that out you know, um, but what that did to me as a kid uh, was every time that I heard thumping. I would start to get really bad anxiety and I would, I would have to run and find the sound. And this would, this was even like years later, um, you know, when I'd be like either on my own or, you know, at my own house, I, I'm not even living with my parents anymore. And I would hear, you know, thumping or something and I would start to get anxiety and be like, Oh my God, like I need to go check and see if they're okay. Like what's going on. Like, I would, I would like literally feel like sick almost. And it was just, it was like just the weirdest PTSD thing. And I, I don't know if anybody else has had something similar to that, but like, you know, anytime I heard something, bro, I would start to get super anxious, super anxiety. And I had to fight it. Like for years after I had moved out of the house, I had to fight it. And basically like when I heard something, when I'm alone in my own house, you know, with my wife, you know, and, I'm just, I'm just hanging out. I'd be like, okay, it's nothing, it's nothing, it's nothing. Calm it down, calm it down. And I had to fight it for years until it finally, like, 
you know, it dissipated. And it, like, now I hear something I'm like, okay, it doesn't matter. But I, but it took like six years to break that, that, that mental impact that just that sound had on me from my childhood and that anxiety fucking flood that would, that would, you know, hit me every time I heard <laughs> random thumping, which is super inconvenient too. Now, um, <laughs> I could definitely relate to everything that you're saying because I a lot of childhood issues, a lot of childhood trauma that I don't, I don't like to talk about a whole lot. But the whole point of this uh, podcast is to you know open up, let people know that they're not alone with the things that they went through and stuff of that nature. And so I'll kind of, of explain what happened with me growing up, why I am the way I am, <laughs> the weirdo that I am. But around two years old, um, my mom had left my dad, and so she was just really no longer in the picture. Not that she wasn't my mom, but I didn't really her. Sure. And when I did, I was too young to really leave an imprint. Right. So my dad started drinking heavily after my mom left for majority of my life, basically until I was out of high school. Two years old till I was out of high school. <laughs> right. That that was a very weird environment to grow up in. Um, the thing is, is my dad genuinely is a really great person. He's a great soul. I love him more than anything. You know, you know. Yeah, I, 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 I truly mean that. Great guy. Yeah, and he, you know, he can't obviously go back in time and fix things that have have happened and i don't expect him to i've i've told him that i forgive him for the things that i went through as a kid not that it was all bad i didn't have like the worst childhood of all time but there was uh, definitely a lot of demons i had to battle and a lot of a lot of a lot of conflict i had to deal with verbally my dad never hit me as an alcoholic he never got physical but he was very uh mean when he would blackout drunk talking to his seven-year-old son right i remember just so many nights staying awake crying being afraid of the only person that i know yeah this as soon as i saw my dad open a bottle i got anxiety i'd panic i'd freak out I, i knew the person that he was going to become i knew what was going to happen i remember my dad he got Pretty, pretty. My dad used to drink a gallon of vodka a night, just to put that in perspective. You know, so for yeah, him to be 12 years sober now is amazing, but to think he's even alive is even crazier. There's one night uh, I remember he was kind of like yelling at me, and um, he was just belligerent, and he started, you know, he's like, "Where are you?" And like, I got scared, so I ran into the spare bedroom, and there's a pile of stuffed animals and i hid under all the stuffed animals and he went in the room and couldn't find me and then he went and passed out <laughs> and that made me feel great but the problem is my dad um he would get up in the middle of the night like one o'clock two o'clock in the morning when i'm laying in bed sleep and he would come and climb in my bed and sleep, like lay next to me i think that's because i kind of i brought him comfort i was his you know only thing maybe keeping the man going for a while when right. you're going through stuff like that, it isn't easy. But no. he'd come in my room and he'd get in my bed and I'd just have anxiety because I'm like freaking out. I'm like, why? Like, I it, put this in perspective. My bed was a single. <laughs> <laughs> All right. It's a, kind of a tight fit. You're like, Dad, I can't really sleep. I'm like, Dad, I can't fucking move. <laughs> <laughs> so those little things that I, I kind of had to go through made made me very anxious, made me very depressed. But yeah. the big things are they really leave an impact. When uh when I was in high school, I I'll never forget it. I was watching Family Guy with my dad and my stepmom, and everything seemed fine. My dad went to the kitchen and like bent down to get a something. He just started seizing. Mm. 
and I'm looking at my dad like, what the fuck is going on, dude? So I call 911. They're trying to talk to me to keep me calm. And then my dad, he lost control of his bodily fluids. When that happens, usually that's because you die. Right. Essentially, I'm watching my dad die in front of me. I watched my, my right. person I just grew up with, all this shit. And the man is dead basically in front of me. I'm like, I, I don't know how to react to this. I didn't right. think at yeah, the I mean, time. I kid, you know. Look, exactly. Looking back, I, I'm like, I was a lot calmer afterwards. But now I, could, I see how, how that could just fuck with your mental so bad. It could oh, put you in such a different place and you don't even know it because you can't – you don't know how to process something like that. So my dad, no. he's, he's on the ground dead and then the paramedics show up and the man wakes up. I'm like, what the – what? <laughs> what is going on? <laughs> and to say you know, that was definitely one of the hardest things I've ever had to go through and a couple months later, he got back into drinking and we were out on the sidewalk near the front of our house and he passed out on the curb and cracked his head open on the, the cement and I watched it happen. <laughs> and this is the same day some kid was looking for me, trying to beat me up and fight me. Right. Oh, I'm, God. I'm like, I, I'm, I'm such, I'm like at this point, I'm like 108 pounds. Probably. I don't talk to anybody. I don't, all I did was get bullied, you know? I, right. People just talk shit. I got spit on trying to get onto the bus by one of my friends. And do you, do you know how embarrassing that is to, to look at your bus driver and they're like, are you okay? As I'm like literally wiping my face off with spit just coming down. Right. She's like looking at me concerned and I'm like, no, it's okay. I'm okay. Because, you know, fine. My whole life, I've just been – it has to be okay. All this horrible shit that I've been going through, I have to deal with it. I don't have a choice. Right. How am I – I can't think of anything else, you know? And bullying, especially like in your childhood. Up until third grade, I was absolute the fucking dog, bro. I'll tell you. In my elementary school, I ran <laughs> that shit. I had a whole clan. I oh, clan, bro, what gang. Are you I don't even about? know, dude. I'm not using the wrong words here. <laughs> I had a whole, <laughs> I had a whole ass group of people that would follow me yeah, around with, <laughs> with badges. We made badges, and I was the leader. And there was like this girl group, and they had badges. <laughs> it was oh, it was pretty funny. I was. I milked a, a goat in, in third grade, and me and my boy bragged about it. And they're like, "Oh my god, they, they milked the goats." So I'm like, "Yeah, you goddamn right." And then what happens? I move to Nevada, to Minden for one year, go to, go to school there. Things were okay. I met some pretty cool people. I had some pretty good friends. Then moved to Carson and just all downhill. Everybody was already friends with everybody, and nobody likes the new kid, especially at that age. Kids are yeah. mean shit. Oh. So I went my whole middle school and high school just fucked with, bullied, getting punched in the face, just – taking everything because I didn't want to hurt anybody. And I think that's because right. maybe subconsciously I had been hurting for so long. And why would I yeah. want somebody to feel the things that I felt? I don't want anyone to feel that somebody else. Exactly. But I don't know. I think that a lot of the childhood trauma, I don't know. I think it's important to talk about. I think that it's, it's still something important. That you have to work through. It's something that everybody has, and you know, so everybody's is worse. There's always going to be somebody with worse childhood trauma than you. There's always going to be somebody that has better childhood than you. But everybody has something, you know, and it's up to you to work through those things. And some of it's not easy. It's not, you know, some of it's very hard, you know, and that just goes with trauma in general in your entire life, man, because things are going to happen. People die. People get hurt. People are bullied and hazed and everything, you know? And you have to find a way to work it out in your own mind. And it's tough sometimes, you know? Like, I, I saw a behavioral health counselor for, like, over two years, you know? It wasn't for bullying or hazing. It was because I lost my father. But 
you know, it's still, I still chose to work through that, you know, instead of holding it in my whole life and, you know, just, just trying to figure it out when I, I wasn't working. I wasn't working. I was so unhappy and you have to figure it out for yourself. You do, you have to find it. You can use, you know, psychologists and counselors to help find that, that, that medium ground or give you the tools that you need to, to figure it out though. But you have to be strong enough to ask for that help. Absolutely. And the truth about trauma is like you said, we all have a little different piece of the cake, but we all have the same cake. And grow though so substantially from the things that you go through like absolutely just i don't drink i i drink occasionally i like to have a beer i like to take a couple shots i like to have fun once in a while i don't really go even crazy when i do though because one i don't like waking up and just feeling like i got hit by the bus yeah and two because of the things i went through and saw as a kid i saw so much what alcohol can do to you and do to someone and do to a family that it doesn't make me want to drink. I I don't do it. I see the way certain things that have happened growing up, and s- certain behaviors that I I am appreciative that I've seen because without that, I would have not known to not act that way. I know that right. there's certain things I don't want to do moving forward because of the experiences that I've been through. But that you know that doesn't make anything easier. No, it, absolutely not. Life is a uh, just a never-ending battle. As much as you'd want to sit down and make it work, you just you're gonna battle every day. Some days they're every day, be man, a lot better than other days. Every day, dude. Every day is a different battle, you know. And it could be something small, you know, like just something just not going right for you, you know. Like you try to flush your toilet and it just breaks. You're like, God damn it, bro. <laughs> like last I'm night, I tried to. Day. <laughs> turn on my sink and yeah. it just went Pew! and I was like <laughs> I'm, I woke up as I guess it was 12 in the morning and I'm like what the fuck was that <laughs> yeah, on the lights just exploding and you're like what the fuck man I was like <laughs> I got your ass I yeah, have exactly. something for you <laughs> and I'm like what's that <laughs> you're like broke ass sink coming yeah, to man my, my partner's kind of kind of whack i don't even have i don't have a microwave i got an air fryer but no microwave no dishwasher <laughs> no sink that works just a positive yeah. attitude some bread <laughs> some bread yeah. holy shit no uh um, some milk <laughs> yeah water milk <laughs> and bread gets me through the day that's good bro so you have butter? incorporate that to your diet yeah i don't have any butter no i don't, I don't <laughs> no butter. butter good bro so, you don't need it oh you mentioned that you're married for people uh, listening, yeah. obviously I know your wife, great human being, a little sassy, great. Yeah, she got a little attitude on her. <laughs> <laughs> but well, let me ask you: Do you believe in soulmates? Do you think so, Ashley is your soulmate, or do you think that life is what you make it? In you know, yeah. So soulmate is, do I think it's a real thing? Um, yeah, yeah, I think, I think soulmate's a real thing. You know, you finding that absolutely perfect person in your life. Um, yeah, sure. I think it's possible. I think. What does that look like to you though? What do you think perfect is for two people? What do you consider? I I mean, I, I honestly, I, I can't really, I couldn't really tell, you know, I, I would just say, I would say, you know, absolute, just complete mesh, right? Like you guys are just best friends, tooth, nail, never fight, love, like just, just unbelievable connection. But the thing with, with soulmate, right. Is, is I, I'm a, like, I'm a realist, right. I, I, I think about what's realistic and what we are as humans and everything like that. And I believe in love and soulmates is kind of like a weird phrase. I don't really like to use because I think that most relationships, most people that get married, you know, they're in love and love is not easy. Love takes work. 
love is is it's 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 a job it is a whole another category and relationships in general whether they're friend or you know romantic are difficult things it does not matter so yeah if you want to be a soulmate you know that's that's cool but in the end relationships for for me and my wife does she love me absolutely do i love her absolutely are we soulmates? I mean, that's such a weird word. But what what I can say is that we are an absolute team and we make it work because we put the time in. We make it work because we are dedicated to each other. So we we push each other to 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 reach goals. We 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 help each other when we're in need. You know, we do those things because we love each other. You know, and are we soulmates? Maybe. Maybe we are soulmates. You know, I, I can't really, I couldn't really tell you what a soulmate is. I've never seen a soulmate. I've never seen a soulmate couple. You know what I mean? It's, it's not something that's very tangible to me. But I, I've seen couples who love each other and who are amazing teams. And I think that that's what it's about. It's, it's about a process of working with your partner because that's what it takes to get to that level. You don't just like meet somebody and you're like, oh yeah, I like you. I like you too. Okay. You know, we're the best couple in the world now. That's not realistic. What's realistic is that you meet somebody, you like them, you share your time with them. You learn about them. You learn about what, what they like, what they don't like. And you, you make those things happy. You do things to make those people happy and you evolve your relationship and you make it better and you put bricks on that relationship till it's super strong and you guys just start striving. And that's kind of my opinion on on your soulmate question. I definitely think it's more of a feeling than it is a visual, if that makes sense. Um, I think that it's when you meet somebody me what i think a soulmate is i think right soul, i think soulmates exist i'm i'm i know i've been very spiritual lately and i've always drifted towards being soulmates versus they're not and for me to say that there is or isn't is complete you know just sure um but i think there is i think that certain people meet and there's just an unexplainable feeling sure thing that's so strong and so powerful between two people that it's it's like you were made for each other especially when you're an emotional guy you know <laughs> you gotta tell me bro <laughs> i cry if the wind's too fast sometimes <laughs> <laughs> i'm like oh, it's, going, it's going 15 miles an hour our favorite is 15 <laughs> You know, and then I just start going down a loophole of things I shouldn't. But no, it's just a, it's just a, such a strong connection that I think it, it differentiates from the others, the, the other people you meet, these other relationships and things that you've had in your life. You know, right. And I'm not saying me personally. I'm just saying in general that there's a reason people get married and they stay married for 70 years it's because they met this person right and for whatever reason they felt drawn to them that there was this, such a, a strong bond and connection and then what happens they act on that and then they end up living their whole lives together now that that's best case scenario i'm and that's where you know that's where it's tricky because you can still get those things get those feelings for somebody go through it and then it ends. And then you're sitting there looking at yourself in the mirror, wondering why why this happened. This is my soulmate. This is supposed to work, right? We're not, right. We're not supposed to break up. Then your whole idealism of love and spiritual soulmates and, and things of that nature are just flushed down the toilet. And you're forced to think these other thoughts, which could cause so many issues. But that's also based on you know, you as a person, what you believe, the things that you feel best suit you and the things that you feel are most relatable to the life that you live, you know, no two lives are the same. So it's, uh, 
it's all a matter of opinion, but I think there are soulmates. I, I think that there are soulmates as well. I just think that the probability of finding a soulmate is very low. It's just in today's to say society and like how you know relationships form now. It's it's just not. I would say in my opinion, it's just it's just not like real. Nothing's genuine anymore. Everything's fake. You know, you could just meet somebody online, lie about everything, and just meet up with somebody, and then you know you have one time with them, and then that's it. And that kind of just defeats the purpose of like trying to meet someone like and try to have a genuine connection with somebody you know you yeah i just i just think it's it's technology is kind of killing that and it's really sad um i, I agree I, I see uh dating apps as a uh, i mean it's a positive it's and a, a negative it know? is it it's a positive and a negative for, you know if you're single and you just want to fun, like they're great. But if you're trying to find a relationship, I'm just here to tell you that going online and meeting guys or girls on Tinder or Bumble or Hinge or fucking whatever, you know, whatever you're into. Right. But then and, again, like my aunt and uncle met on like eHarmony and they've been married for forever now. Harmony though is a little different because it's a website you go, you pay money, you, you know, you you invest right, your you're committed. life a you're little committed. bit into it. Exactly. <laughs> right. Right, you're like I'm actually going to try to find somebody that wants to take it seriously. Because if I'm on here right. paying this, and someone else is going to be on here. Exactly, people get fed up, and you know I used I used dating apps for a while. I for a while I personally used them because I had a lot of self insecurity issues. Um, kind of growing up, like I said, getting bullied, kind of being always told I'm ugly, or I have a crooked smile or this that or whatever the fuck yeah, people bro. wanted to say about me I'm here so i tell you that you're cute bro <laughs> thanks Call me um i <laughs> i use the dating app though to prove to myself in a way that i'm not ugly i could pull this chick oh i could pull this chick i i'm a fucking right. dog dude i know what i was was just a douchebag and it took me you know a while to realize that, that those aren't the things that i want in my life i don't want those things i don't I'm not looking for some fake ass connection ever again in my life i don't ever want to be with somebody that is fake i don't want to be with someone that's going to lie to you and make you i don't know your intuition is pretty smart you can usually talk to somebody and get to know them even if it's just at first and get a good idea or at least personally i can i can get a good idea of that person if I think they're a quality person, just based on one conversation. Yeah, you get a good read off of people. You can read the energy, kind of just read how they speak and, you know, everything. And from there, you can make the decision if you feel it's good or not. But a lot of the times, uh, lust, lust will come in. Two people will be like, oh, well, they're attractive. They're attractive. Then they start hooking up. They're like, oh, I think I like this person. Oh, I think I like you too. Then they date. And then one year goes by, two years go by, five years go by, and they're miserable because that's not what they wanted they both really just wanted to hook up and they were too prideful to say anything about it so they said lied to one another hurt themselves and wasted their time right or had a kid and involved you know now this relationship and now damaging a child yeah it's i don't know dating so yeah dating, <laughs> dating apps huh they're uh oh, oh, not for the, the weak-minded that's for sure um but, but uh, i want to i don't want to go to my wedding one day and say oh so yeah you know such and such and i met on bumble <laughs> we were both <laughs> really excited because we swiped right <laughs> really and we matched it said it's a match and i was like so a match made in heaven my goodness <laughs> <laughs> well done but no i don't i, I mean cool like and that's the thing though if it works for you though cool like i support that I support the idea of trying to find those things. So I think that you're going to probably not. Some people do. Right. And to those people, I'm happy. Like I, I care. I, I want them to be happy. I want people to live their lives however they want to live them. I just don't want people to end up broken, hurt, and distrusting, and, and to become distrusting in, in society and the other sex as a whole because of a couple bad interactions on a couple of dumb dating websites you know right and it's it's all about the people you know 
Like, you know, we, I, you've been in the army, bro. Like the genuine connections are made and then those relationships are put to the absolute ultimate test. And, you know, some don't make it, you know, families are shattered. You should see the marriage divorce rate, you know, in the army. It's absolutely terrible. You know, I just, the dude, there's a dude in my class. He's been divorced three times, three times. And think about, just... the, think about the military though, man, is at least from my, my end, I won't say any names, but I know a lot of people that are very like unfaithful that would, I knew there's so many guys in my barracks, man, that would either have a wife and cheat on them all the time and not even care a little bit, not even a little bit about the person they're married to. And yes, I get that some marriages in the military are, you know, solely based on the fact that they're going to get more money. I get that. Now, sure. you have people that have been with their wives 10, 12 years cheating on them and they don't care. They don't, they just don't give a fuck. They have single soldiers in the barracks, you know, military men, man, ah, fucking man, young douchey military guys, just the worst. I was one of those yeah. guys. And that's why I say that. You know, you don't care about anybody else but you. And you don't care if you go and sleep with someone's wife or ruin a relationship. For disclaimer, I've never done that, but there's Well, I think that I think it's just a lot uh, it's a lot of it's almost like like the military is like a weird college. You know, because you have you have a lot of young people, you have a lot of young relationships, and you have a lot of things going on. And a lot of people can't adjust to the military or are trying to adjust to the military, and they're trying to work these relationships out in the military. And there's people deploying, and then, you know, everything is it's all these young people, and you're like at a, it's almost like a college, right? You know, you, you, you deploy, you get shoved into a barracks room with, you know, 40, 50 people, and, you know, half of them are, you know, between 18 and like 21. You know, all the soldiers, and then you have, like, a very small group of, like, you know, 25 to, you know, 30-year-olds, and then, you know, the rest are, like, star majors and shit. But it's just a, it's a terrible position that you're put into, and it's, it's a very difficult, um, you know, thing to go through. It's, it's hard on relationships, and that's what, like, really puts relationships to the test. You know what I mean? That's why people just throw things away instead of just trying to work on them and work through everything and, and try to make their relationships better and stronger and fight those things. They just kind of throw it away because they don't care. Yeah, they, don't, they just don't care. And, and those are the re- relationships that aren't worth it. You know what I mean? Like they're just they're not worth it. They're, they're just soul, not soulmates, but their they're bonds and they didn't strengthen their relationship enough to make it through something like that you know what i mean absolutely and yeah going through those kind of relationships are uh, a necessary evil unfortunately yeah absolutely because you both grow you know you both grow as people you know person being cheated on person cheating either way you still learn you learn what kind of person you are you learn from your mistakes you learn from you know that person you know they got cheated on you got cheated on you know what i mean like you learn from those mistakes but through the through the fire rises the phoenix so um maybe it's the ashes whichever either way there's a phoenix and that phoenix is you because that you know you my boy and the point i'm making is (laughs) based you know even though yeah you only bust this freestyle no uh all these things happen, but then you make the true genuine connections like you and I have, you know, something that is very rare. Thankfully, I, I, I'm actually really blessed to say that I have a lot of good friends in my life, a lot of very well-rounded, level-headed people that genuinely care. Um, yeah, I, I really I, wish that I would have met you earlier, you know, because just like after like we started talking, like I was like probably like maybe our first few like conversations. So literally I had that connection. So like we were just like, boom. I was like, bro, I like this dude. We're fucking friends for sure. But like 
we couldn't have had that conversation in like eighth grade, you know, like anything. Nah, bro. Well, you would have been living at my house. (laughs) We would have become Halo, you know. Well, exactly, bro. I just, I just, that sucks. It sucks that I I wish that we could have had that conversation, but you just had to be a little bit older than me. Fucking clown. Yeah. But hey, you know, true friendships, they're here. Um, We, we made it work, bro. We, we found each other, found each other, true dogs. I think that we were definitely friends in a past life. You, you give me that vibe and I get that energy that <laughs> if we were to have existed before this, you and I were definitely homies. Bro, definitely, bro. Like little pee, bro. Two peas in the, in the same uh, place, bro. We're like, you and I, we got turtle energy, bro. You and I were for sure just big chilling always on the beach, just looking at each other. Walking. <laughs> oh, two fucking starfishes in a box, you know? How long do you think it would I take? Know, that was kind of a weird but, role. A turtle to walk across like a whole beach. I think it would take him like a week, like ten miles. Yeah, we'll just say it's ten miles. How long do you think it would take a turtle to walk ten miles? Bro, I don't know, but I was on I was on TikTok, you know, the other day, and I seen turtles sprinting, bro, like <laughs> going like <laughs> like going like fifteen miles per hour, and I was frightened. I had never seen something like that. So if these motherfuckers can cook at 15 miles per hour, <laughs> I give them like, I give them like an hour and a half, bro. Yeah, okay. I didn't know about the max velocity of a turtle. So, bro, I, I didn't know either though. They're always just represented as slow, but nah, dude, those motherfuckers were running. Look at you up. see them in the bro. gym. <laughs> they've they've been using the fucking stair yeah. stepper. We'll show you know, who's slow. <laughs> uh, they've been on the Jacob's ladder, bro. Yeah, dude. Yeah, Jacob. Fuck, man. I've been there my whole life. <laughs> Um, oh man! No, but like I was saying, man, it's just you know, true friendships are a rare, a rarity in life. I think on meeting good, genuine people in your life in general is just a rarity. Connections on a deeper level that mean something to both you and that person, to the point where you're able to give each other the time and respect that one one deserves from each other is is important, and it's just something that doesn't happen. But no. To kind of uh, to kind of wrap this up, bro. Um, I'll ask you just one last question. If um, if you, Gunner Harper, if you could, Gunner Craig Harper, excuse me, if you, <laughs> I know it's social too, ladies and gentlemen. If uh, God damn it, <laughs> <laughs> give a message to anybody listening to this, or a message to the world that you think would make an impact in whatever way that you feel would be, you know, good. What, what message would that be? A message to the world, huh? Message to all, all the listeners. I would say that just just from my life experiences um, and everything that I've gone through, I would say that, you know, I, I say this to, to a lot of my friends, and I'm sure that you've heard it, is, you know, is is fight to be happy. Because, you know, life is too short, and happiness is really all that matters is just being happy, man. You got to find it and you got to fight for it and you got to keep it and it's an everyday fight and it's you just got to fight to be happy because that is the only point, man. It's just being happy is everything. Just feeling good every day, enjoying your life, being happy, that is what it's about. And if you're not happy, you have to find a way to change it. You got to step out of that comfort zone, break through, and and just and find what it is that makes you happy. You know, whether that's a hobby, whether that's a person, whether that's family, you got to find it. You know, and 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 strive to to reach that happiness. And that's that's kind of just my message. That's a beautiful message. Thank you. And I think a lot of people just struggle trying to be happy, trying to find happiness because it's so hard when you when you work all day Absolutely. and you get underpaid and you can't live your life. You have to live by the rules of the world. You know, if, I'm sure oh, if man. we all had freedom and I mean, we have freedom to an extent, but if we had 100% freedom, no debt, you know, didn't have to worry about anything, we would go through our lives and we'd be happy, but that's not how life works. And uh, I definitely understand trying to, to fight every day to find the happiness because there's always a little bit of good no matter how bad how much bad there is 
and to to see the light and to push through and find that and to hold on to it as as much as as much as possible as long as you can it's important like you said and yeah i really appreciate that but um absolutely real quick who are you taking in a tetherball match uh jesus in his prime or floyd mayweather in his prime Oof. Oof. definitely not mayweather no jesus is my dog jesus Slapping him with his Corinthian 316. So no, no chance, <laughs> no, bro. Too easy, bro. No scope. GG, Mayweather. Yeah. <laughs> 180 hook you across the map. But uh, I love you, my friend. Thank you very, very much for being uh, on the podcast tonight. Of course, and, brother. Uh, I'll be back anytime you want. And to all those listening, remember that life's, life's a battle, life's a struggle, but you're not alone. And that at the end of the day, we're only everyday people.